0: He died for you, he died for me From our sin he set us free He loved to save his life he gave So if we ask we can Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with our program once again. We are excited to be sharing the Word of God with you in these last times. Now, now, I want to restate something. I know that I think most of our listeners know this. This is not a this is a live broadcast, but it's not live on the day. In other words, we pre-record this broadcast for you. And then we play it at a later date. I want to make sure uh, you know. I'm always trying to make sure that everything is above board, so you will know what's going on. Plus, uh, then when the issue this is not a news program. This is a program about Jesus Christ. This is a this is a Bible study type of a program. And so, I just want to make sure you know that, so that when if we're a week behind on the news, you realize that uh, this program has actually been recorded earlier. Or later, for that matter, depending on the news topic that we're talking about. And this week, uh, and the reason I guess I'm, I'm making sure you know that this week, I'm talking about Sutherland Springs, uh, Baptist, First Baptist in Sutherland Springs. Uh, tragedy. I mean, wh- th- there's not much more I can say. It hits me very close to home. I preached at that church about three months ago. Uh, I know the pastor mainly by phone only. Actually, I've never really met the pastor, I, uh sat in his pulpit while he went out of town. We've talked on the phone many times. And uh, this weekend that this happened, that this uh, that this shooter came into the church, he was actually gone with his wife. Unfortunately, his daughter was killed as well, and 26 of his congregation were killed, plus uh, 20 or so wounded. It's not a, a huge church. There's only about 50 or 60 people that go to the church. So that's most of the church. And some people may be sitting around saying, how could God let this happen? Why why is this going on? This is a church. Uh, I thought we were safe. We are Christians. Well, that's what I've been trying. That's what this broadcast is about. His gospel power has been about all of these years letting the church know that when you become the church, when you speak the gospel, when you become a threat to Satan, then he will attack. And in those attacks, sometimes it may cost you your life. Now, God is in control of everything. And in fact, God, he protects us, okay? Well, how can you say that, Rick? Uh, all these people just died. God protects us in, in his spirit and, and in our eternity. But he realizes, God knows, that just like his son died on the cross, in this fleshly body, there may come a time in your life when it, it w- your life will be called of you to stand for Christ and give your life for Jesus. These people that were in this church on this Sunday, I knew many of them because we preached there. My wife and I have been in contact with many of them, and uh, they were godly, loving people. This was not judgment on this church. This was godly people. However, it might could be said that uh, because the church has not been the church, because the church has been so mamby-pamby. I saw a um, um, an interview by the church at Hillsong pastor, and he was asked about abortion. And if uh, if abortion was wrong or not, and he danced all around that topic, he would not say. Basically, he said, "Well, I want to get to know you first before I decide what is sin. What you're doing is sin. How much? Uh, I don't even know the words. I, I get upset just from from hearing that. The, the word of God is truth. That means it's right or wrong, whether you're going to offend someone or not." That's the bottom line. And if you speak the truth, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you also. And what happened in this little church is that this man, this atheist, evidently uh, resented all of his in-laws being Christians and decided that he was going to go fix all of that. Well, the good news is, is those people are standing in eternity with Christ in God's love And they're actually they're in a whole lot better place than you and I. Now, the man who did the shooting, of course, who had denied Christ, he is in a much worse place than he was before the shooting. Because now he will have to endure the fact that he knew the name of Jesus for eternity and did not accept it. And so he will be separate from God in that place called hell. But God calls us to stand and be the church. Now, this church of Hillsong. Some people might say, "Well, Rick, where, what do you to say?" He's got a worldwide ministry with thousands of people that go to his different churches. That does not make him right; it makes him palatable. Oprah Winfrey believes there are many paths to heaven. It does not make her right; it makes her popular. It makes her have a lot of money. It makes her have a lot of people go to her, uh, to her, whatever her venues. does not make her right. And one day she will have to stand before God and realize there's only one path to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, chapter 7 of Matthew says that there will be those who God will say that, um, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will say, "What what are you talking about? We Didn't we heal people in your name? And didn't we... Do all of these cast out evil spirits in your name. And he will say, yes, but I never knew you. Because they didn't know him. Because they didn't stand for Jesus Christ. Because they did not stand for the truth. They stood for their own power and their own popularity to make sure that their money was not cut. This man, this pastor of Hillsong, was to make sure that his tithes did not go down. Was to make sure that his money is not cut. Let's don't offend anybody. Because out of a church of all of those thousands, I don't know how many thousands go to his church, but out of that, and I, you know what, I said that correctly, his church, not Jesus' church, his church. They're going for the popularity of this man. And so I don't know how many out of those thousands are homosexual, but I can promise you there are many that are going there that are homosexual and that have had abortions or are going to have abortions. And he will not talk against that Because he is afraid of losing his money. Now, I I have to make it clear. If you have had an abortion, or you know someone in your family that has had an abortion, that is not the unpardonable sin, and you're not on your way to hell. If you will repent of your sin, recognize it as sin, and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Understand that this life within your body, ladies, I'm sorry. I know I'm a man and, you're, and you can say, well, this is easy for you to say. But I know biblically and clinically, the baby within your body is not you. That's not your body. Yes, it's attached to your body. You're doing the feeding. You're doing a lot of things. But it is not your body. It is a life that God says that He knew people from the womb. He knows that baby that is within you right now from the, from its conception, really from its, before its conception. But, you know, we're gonna just, we're gonna keep this simple. As soon as that baby becomes a baby, God knows that is a life within you. So, we, if we stand for Jesus Christ, we will have to know that there is a time that we will have to accept responsibility for God. In other words, we maybe I said that the wrong way. What I mean is, if we do not stand for Jesus Christ, then He will not stand for us before His Father in heaven. So it it is up to us to declare Him as Lord and Savior. That is what the true church is beginning to do, and that is why we are seeing these shootings and this persecution. Because the true, the, the true church, the church of Jesus is beginning to be the church. Once you begin, once you become the church, then these things will happen. First Peter, the fourth chapter, the 12th verse is where we're at today. And it's, you know, I did not know as we're doing Peter that this shooting was going to happen at Sutherland Springs by the time we get to this verse, but God knew it exactly. And he said, he had already ordained that we were going to be teaching this verse a week after the tragedy at Sutherland Springs. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Do you get that? If What's this saying? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, as so, some strange thing happened to you. In other words, it should be normal for the Christian to experience persecution. It should be normal, but for the American Christian, it is not normal. For the American Christian, we live in our houses and our cars and our nice, warm beds, and uh, we say that we are nice and and uh, Christians, and God is blessing us because look at all the things that we have, and then we do nothing for Jesus on a daily basis. Instead. It's strange. God is basically saying, the converse of this, if something is not happening to you as a Christian, that's the strange thing. There's a problem. There's something wrong because you are not following Jesus in the way that God has told you to follow him because you're comfortable. Now, as Christians, step out and speak the name of Jesus Christ, whether that be on your Facebook Look, I don't really like Facebook. I use Facebook. Y'all that that listen to me know that there are times that I, I get on Facebook. You know that. I use it as a tool. I don't like to sit on Facebook. In fact, I don't sit on Facebook for hours and hours and hours and looking for the dirt on someone. I use it as a tool. I use it as a communication tool. The thing that I think originally it was designed for, now it has turned to perversion and it has turned to all different kinds of things, just like anything can. Think about the man who just mowed down people in a truck in New York a couple of weeks ago. Well, a truck is used for good. A truck is used to get people to the hospital. A truck is used to uh, go and see, uh, take food to the sick. A, a truck, it can be used to go back and forth to work or, or to, to raise crops on a farm. That's what the tool is supposed to be used for. But the tool can also be used for evil. The same thing with the telephone. Remember, we had the telephone way back in the day. Now, I know a lot of you kids may not remember the telephone. It was hanging on the wall. You couldn't get away from the cord. But we had the telephone. And it was to be used for good, but yet there were people who who would call and they would do obscene phone calls and they would would terrorize people with the telephone. The tool of Facebook is a good tool. So get on your Facebook and talk about Jesus. Tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Tell people about how he wants them to spend eternity with them on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on Whatever, at your workplace, though. Don't become a um, a name without a face on Facebook. Speak the name of Jesus every single place that you are at. God is in control. These are the last days. And as we become the church, more and more and more, we will see these atrocities happen. But according to the word, First Peter, don't think it's strange when the fiery trial comes on you. It's supposed to be the norm because we are Christians. Whenever we hold up the name of Jesus, people will naturally either come to us or hate us. Jesus said, because they hated me, they will hate you also. That means if we lift up the name of Jesus, that we will either draw people to us or we will repel them. Brother Ron is in the studio with me. Brother Ron, um, you know, of course, this was a tragic thing that happened. It's, but, Praise be to God that, that he brought us right to this verse on the very day that we begin our new recording after this, this uh, tragedy has happened. And in fact, it is to wake up the church and remind them that we are to be the church and that we are to expect persecution. We're not, now, should we, does that mean we embrace it? No, we pray about it. We don't want persecution. I mean, come on. I didn't want those people to die. I knew a lot of those people in that church. And, but I realize though, because they died, and as we get more into this verse, because they died, they're standing in heaven in a place that we all want to get to, and we know that nobody's getting out of here alive
1: right, and these people, i mean, from the testimonies that we've heard they we know the children are in heaven, and more than likely every single one of the adults and and young people that were killed are in heaven, so yeah i mean they're they're not in a bad place. They're definitely happier now than they were. And the ones that are injured and in critical condition in the hospital, I I fully believe that in situations like that where Christians are persecuted, that God gives them peace, which we're actually going to read later on in these scriptures, but I also found another scripture in Second Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse four, or actually verse three, that really explains that, I, and this is where I believe, that God comforts Christians in times of persecution where he wouldn't give that comfort to those that aren't saved because we have the peace of the Holy Spirit in us. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And it's not saying specifically during persecution, but I believe at all times and more so when we are coming under persecution, God doesn't want us to question him when we're under persecution for him. So I believe he's actually going to give us extra comfort during these times. And I believe that when those people were being shot, that God gave them comfort knowing That he was with them while they were dying. And those that got shot and survived, I believe he's giving them comfort right now abundantly above what he would, well, what unbelievers would have in the same situation.
0: And I pray what's going to happen is those who are under persecution will come out even stronger, proclaim the name of Jesus even more. But exactly what you said, not question God during the persecution or why, in fact, According to 1 Peter 4.12, what I just read, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. So in other words, you should think that it is strange if you don't have a fiery trial. If you're not getting some sort of persecution, that's when you should question God. In fact, that's when you say, well, wait a minute, God, am I not living enough for you? Why am I not being persecuted? Now, I know that you know, there is a there is a school of thought, and I agree with it. You don't want to seek persecution and it's uh, it's called flagellation where you're beating your own body up or you're trying to make your own self suffer flagellation is basically when someone whips you or flogging or something like that well there are those who believe in self-flagellation so in other words they make these whips they whip themselves beat their backs and you know it's a it's a way of suffering they say that they should be suffering for uh, for Jesus or they should just be suffering cuz they're not worthy to be in this body without suffering well that's Not what I'm talking about. That is not something you should really participate in. What I am talking about is the persecution of the church. We shouldn't be seeking to be persecuted. But when the persecution happens, we shouldn't think it's strange. Because we are living for God and doing what he has told us to do. So do not think that it is strange that these things are happening. Understand that we are now... I believe, finally, in the twenty-first century, we are becoming the church, and those who will not uh, experience any increased um, persecution are not really doing the will of God. I mean, that if you are going to, it's just like I was talking about the pastor of Hillsong Church. If you are going to walk the fence well then, you're not any kind of a threat to Satan. Jesus said, if you're neither hot nor cold, you are lukewarm, and I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's the truth. These are the kind of words that I'm speaking right here, that we speak on his gospel power, that no one wants to hear. Because they make people feel uncomfortable. They make people feel like um, I'm being mean, maybe. I'm mean-spirited. No, I'm not mean-spirited. In fact... I, I love you. If you're listening to this broadcast right now, I love you and I want you to spend an eternity with Jesus. There's only one way to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. That is accept Him and accept the entire truth. And that means you recognize sin for sin. You repent of that sin, even if you don't like, you know, if it makes someone feel bad, if somebody's had an abortion, makes them feel bad if you start talking bad about abortion. Somebody that's, uh, that's homosexual makes somebody feel bad if you say that they do not have a relationship with Jesus because they're homosexual. Someone's in a, an adulterous relationship, or a drunkard, or a liar, or a slanderer. Any kind of sin that is against what they are doing, it's going to make them feel bad because you the, the sin is revealed to them, and that's why Jesus said
1: they will hate you. Well, Pastor, you... Set a term, and I believe it is exactly what it comes down to, being a threat. If you are a threat to something, then it's going to come back against you. And that's the same thing with Satan. The more you are a disciple for Christ, the more he's going to attack you because you are a threat to his agenda. And if we look at this situation, and, and many others like it, what is the one thing that politicians mostly are attacking in a situation like this. They attack the gun. They don't attack the person because the person's not the threat. The person is actually fulfilling their agenda. But what can they go after that is a threat to them? Well, for politicians that aren't on the right side of our history from the founding of America, it's the gun. Because why is a gun a threat to the government? Well, the gun is the most personal detrimental thing to defend our freedom against the government and it's the same thing with Satan what's the biggest threat to Satan well it's the word of God so he wants to attack those that are actually preaching the word of God those that aren't that are just lukewarm like you said just riding the fence giving people whatever they want to hear they're not a threat to him. it's it's the weapons that we use against Satan that are the real threat to him so when it comes down to the government, they never attack the truck that ran over people. Exactly. Nobody they, said let's remove all the trucks now because they're killing people. Right. They they don't attack knives because you know in a real they bat- don't attack
0: ha- attack hammers. That's one of the most popular tools to kill somebody. Right now, it's number four. Yeah, because it's, it's
1: it's easy to get. Yeah. They attack what is the biggest threat to them. So when the government and I'm talking the the left. That the biggest thing they're going to attack are guns because that's the biggest threat to their power. So you can look at it like that. What is the biggest threat? They're going to attack that. So when it comes down to situations like this, let's not blame the person that did it. Let's blame something that the, the let's say, Christian conservatives or conservatives in this nation have that can fight against a, a corrupt government. It's the weapon. And I I believe that is the real reason they attack guns, not because they are guns or because they're, they can be used. It's because it's a threat to their power. And now let's get, now we're going to get spiritual here. Now, because what you're saying is
0: exactly true in the physical. And those people who are so threatened by guns, it's because they live in the physical. But the church is actually going to be, is a threat. The biggest threat to Satan is the church. The biggest threat to Satan is though are those who believe in the name of the Son of God Jesus Christ. That is the biggest threat to Satan. And so because of those of us who are going to stand and proclaim the gospel and who are going to continue to pray and who are going to continue to lift up the name of Jesus, those pe- people are the biggest threat to Satan. And and I'm, or fortunately I guess you could say, I was going to say, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever, forget that word, whatever, most, I'm going to say, many of the Christians are conservative, probably most Christians are conservative, maybe if you're listening to this uh, broadcast, you'll disagree with that, and I guess I stuttered and stammered before I said that, because it's like, well, I'm about to say something that's not very politically correct, and there's going to be a lot out there who are liberal, that say, well, I know Jesus, well, all right, you liberals, here we are, I'm attacking or I guess I'm not attacking you but I'm attacking that thinking. If you're a liberal and you believe that everyone that abortions are fine, where do you get that from? Where does that come from? How how can you justify that? Is that not killing a baby? And of course I guess you can say you can buy into that uh, uh, that thinking or that that uh false thinking that says that it's a fetus. God says it's a baby. He says that you were a baby from conception. Uh, before you were even in the womb, he says he knew you. You're a, That's a baby. So th- that's number one. Um, how, are, how are you going? Homosexuality. How, how can you defend homosexuality? I know. I've talked with those who are homosexuals. They defend it and they say, oh, well, that was the old days and this is the new. God's a God of grace. God's a God of love. Yes, he is. He still is. But his word has not changed. And his word tells us how we are to live for him. And see, I don't want to be a drunkard either. Why would I want to do that? I I don't want to be a drunkard because God says that no drunkards will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's just go ahead and name what we call it, alcoholics. If you're an alcoholic, you still are drinking alcohol to excess every day right now. You're a drunkard, okay? That's what the Bible calls it. The, The world calls it alcoholism, so it makes you feel good about yourself. The Bible calls it drunkards. So that you understand that it's sin. I don't want you to feel good about it. I want you to understand it's sin. I don't want you to be called gay. I want you to be called homosexual. So you will understand it's sin. It's what God calls it. He pulls it out. It's sin. So as as sin gets named. When sin gets named. People get upset. They don't want to hear what that sin that they're participating is in is called. Yes. Am I perfect? No, I am not perfect. I commit sin. And so you might be saying, well, then what's the difference between that? I don't embrace sin. I do sin, but I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I do not embrace sin. When I recognize sin, I repent and I ask God to help me overcome that sin. Whatever that sin is in your life. Is it adultery? Is it pornography? Is it uh, uh debauchery? Is it Adultery is it slander? is it gossip? Is it being a liar? There are those who are perpetual liars. Satan wants you to stay a perpetual liar. The Bible says no liar will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now does that mean if you tell an occasional lie you're not going to heaven? No, that means you repent of that lie. Ask God to never allow you to to just go ahead and speak the truth even if it hurts and that's that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to repent, so it's a difference between a sinner and a sin the sinner is someone who embraces sin and and not only embraces it but justifies it and tries to say wait a minute i was born this way well uh, you know what there are people that are born more murderers too actually really according to the word of god i think you could you could justify that there are people who are born murderers and what they have done is decided though that they know it's sin and they are not going to murder they're going to confess it as sin even though maybe they have the proclivity for violence or whatever, they realize, you know what, I'm going to confess that violence to God, I'm going to ask him to keep that violence down, I don't want to hurt anybody. So is that person who was, I mean, they, the science has said that there is actually people born with a murderous gene, well if that's true, that there is someone born with a murderous gene, does that mean it's okay to murder? Does that mean it's okay for this person to murder? Well, so if someone was born with a homosexual gene, does that mean it is okay for them to go ahead and deny God and remain a homosexual?
1: The answer is no. It does not mean that. Well, I know, Pastor, that one of the misconceptions that has come out, which I believe a lot of churches has embraced, is the terminology changes that Satan has used in our our media and our environment to make things not seem so bad. What do they call addictions these days? A disease. Well, it's still a sin no matter what they call it. That's like saying, well, I don't believe the sky is blue. Well, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's still the truth. And that's that's with Scripture. That Society can call it whatever they want. It doesn't change what it really is. But by calling a sin a disease, a lot of people perceive it now as, well, I don't have control over it. And I have to get help for it. Since I can't control it, then it can't be a sin because... It's uh, somehow at that point becomes natural that you can get help for, but because I can't control it, that I'm not responsible for it. So that's, that's just one way that society has distorted scripture by calling sin a disease, almost like it's not your fault. And that's the same with,
0: that's why it was so important to find, for them to say that, wait a minute, I was born as a homosexual. Because if you're born that way, you can't change it. That's why it was so important. Well, well, because then it's not sin any longer. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Well, we've, we're out of time. We're going to continue this discussion tomorrow. This, this is a very interesting chapter and it's a very convicting chapter. This chapter is one that's going to speak to us as the church that we, how we are to actually live for God and live in boldness for Jesus Christ in these last days for the church to become the church. That is what God calls us to. Thank you for listening to His Gospel Power. And I pray that you receive His Gospel Power today. My life was flying by I always wondered why I was so empty deep within But then you came to me And let my spirit see Of my sin, I live again today. Your love has shown the way. I hear you calling me. I love you. With all my heart and soul